Hello, welcome back to Eye to Eye, the digital renaissance podcast. I'm your host, Percy Hornack, and this week I'm here to do a bit of a debrief of the summer with Jared Mizachi, producing artistic director of Indie Summer Playhouse. This will be our second to last episode of Eye to Eye. Without any further ado, let's hear from Jared about how the summer went. Hi, Jared. Hello. Uh, I'm certain that everyone listening already knows who you are, but for posterity, could you start by introducing yourself, however many details you would like to share? Sure. Yeah. Hi, everybody. I'm Jared Mazzacci, and I'm the producing artistic director of Andy's Summer Playhouse. Cool. So what were your major goals coming into the summer for the Digital Renaissance Project and sort of transitioning what Andy's was already doing into this new platform? Yeah. So, you know, we were uh, marching into our 50th season, and as COVID-19 hit, uh, I'm also a freelance director and designer, and all of my projects, as all of us in the art industry and performing arts world know, started just dropping like flies. And uh, it was there was a lot of conversations happening that were like, well, let's see, maybe we can hang on. And I was a part of a specific project that like continued rehearsal till it really truly couldn't anymore. And it was that sense of false hope, nothing against them. Like everybody was just trying to to endure what was happening and, and comprehend what was happening. But when they finally canceled, I had kept my heart open so wide to hope that we would be able to open that show that it was just like devastating for all of us. And, you know, it felt like a death. It felt like this funeral of like, you know, I walked into the theater, the whole set was built and I just sat there being like, we'll never fulfill this this set that looks so beautiful here. And I immediately thought of the children at Andy's and thought about how I have a thick skin, you know, like I've worked in the field for a while and this wrecked me. And so what of a 13 year old who is just using theater as a means of discovering themselves? And I, I was really concerned for us as an institution to be hoping that by June it would be over because that's that would have been three months of of build up to what might be because we didn't know at that time a total shutdown and that just would have been wretched you know and and I I uh, so I went to the board and I had a conversation with them about what could we do that is not cancelable like what is the bare minimum that we can announce right now that can be something that we can hang a hat on and be hopeful for and be confident that we can pursue it. And so I immediately thought of, of what's possible online. I also teach at University of Maryland and they too were like, we're gonna have to move to virtual for time being. At that time, we didn't know how long it would be. So I was just thinking about virtual engagement. And so then I reread our mission and I, I thought to myself, wait a sec, this whole mission can still be fulfilled. We just need to strategize how to, how to use the virtual space. And a lot of artists around that same time were talking about the World Wide Web being a space for site-specific performance if you're thinking about it in a physical way. And, you know, I really took to that. I, I thought, okay, well, here's our experiment. And, um, you know, University of Maryland is also a research one school. So I was like, okay, we're scientists now. No one knows the answer to this. No one has any idea what can and cannot work. Andy's is perfect for for being way out on that limb. Let's like, let's ask these questions and work with kids to say, can a mission that is asking adults and children to be working eye to eye on unknown artistic ventures still exist? 
And that's a no brainer. Of course it can. So then comes the question of what do we need to do to establish that type of environment so that that mission can flourish. And so that's where we started thinking about the digital Renaissance project of, of a container for fulfilling our mission under these circumstances. And in every decision we made, how many adults would be in the room observing a project so that the kids felt taken care of and the adults, the, the lead artist adults were taken care of. How long are each of these sessions? Uh, what sorts of projects are we, are we seeking? What onboarding do we need for the kids and what onboarding do we need for the adults? So that when we say go, and when we say run free, that they're able to think freely and investigate their intrinsic sense of self, both the adult and the child. And um, and so out of that came out of that came the exchange versus the stage versus bonfires because we knew that we needed a space to teach skill sets. We needed a space to build performance, and we needed a space to just hang out, you know, and and just be together and. Um, and so that's what that was. A bonfire was just be together and hang out and, and do something. The stage was build performances and exchange was just what kind of skill sets do you need? The final goal of it was how do we make sure that the child and the adult both feel heard so that it doesn't feel like a top-down mechanism of like, here's how we're going to do this little child, you know, but instead it's a, it's what Andy's does best, which is put a bunch of people in a room together to be vulnerable and explore something that neither know the answer to. And so we asked a question of the children to say, how does this sound? And they all, they're all of them right off the bat, were like, well, we want to say in what the skills are that we learn and we want to say in what the performances are and we want to say it with how we hang out. So then I was like, okay, well, what if we create some kind of like bulletin board where you're putting up a, I want this and we see that and then help fulfill that. And they're like, that sounds cool. And so that's where we then started doing our active projects and pending projects. So the pending projects was a space for both the adults and the child to use it as a bulletin board of, hey, anyone want to do this? Anyone want to have lunch tomorrow? Anyone want to talk about this book? Anyone want to build a puppet piece? Anyone want to do Dungeons and Dragons? And all of the phone number tabs were ripped off of it. And we're like, okay, clearly everyone wants to do Dungeons and Dragons. So let's do it. And I'm looking back on it all and realizing I've learned a lot about the, the means of education and what education should be doing, that this pandemic has just exposed struggle and strife and challenges on a heightened level. It's not introduced new challenges or new strife or, or new obstacles. It's just heightened them. And that's been helpful as an educator, because when this all goes away, all of those issues still exist. You know, we're seeing that with race right now. We're seeing that with politics right now. We're seeing that with class. None of those things began because of the pandemic. They're just heightened because of the tension of living in a pandemic. And so similarly with education and, and art uh, initiatives, this is just exposing things that we should have been solving years ago. And so I'm actually like the silver lining of it is I think we've come out stronger as an institution and these major goals are not goals for a pandemic. They should have and always will be goals for our organization. Yeah, I'm curious specifically thinking about the different work that we've been doing, exploring ways to do performance virtually. Do you think that these things will apply and be useful even after we are able to gather in person again? 
10,000%. I think if there's one thing I've learned about the children at Andy's right now is that they are brilliant well beyond theater making. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I've always said that we're not trying to output a Broadway actor. We're trying to output a brilliant thinker and doer and who knows how to use art to make change in the world and make change in themselves. Uh, it's absurd that we've only been exploring predominantly theater uh, up until this point because that sentiment needs other disciplines to get involved. And so what's been so cool is watching that, like someone who is playing a supporting role or an ensemble role is actually an amazing playwright. And someone who has been backstage and just doing props design is actually an amazing puppeteer performer. So to have a complete, I mean, we have like 50 different disciplines we've explored this summer. And these kids are thriving because isn't that what the word renaissance should be doing too? It's like the every art human, you know, and like you're a deep thinker and doer. And so I I will be sad if we, if we don't continue to pursue the multidisciplinary hybrid art, art space that Andy's became this summer. And I'm excited to see how that physicalizes when we are able to get back in the room together. Totally. What do you think the children took away from working on the digital renaissance beyond just being able to explore different modes of art making? Like what have you observed in terms of their growth? Yeah, I think when you need to be with others, you make space to be with others and you use the tools around you to build bridges to be with others. And I hope that the biggest takeaway is a computer, which is synonymous to many of these children, especially come June, um, with sit down and be in a class. And I, this isn't derogatory towards a specific localized education. I think like my, my students at UMD were like, I am so Zoom fatigued. I can't be in a class anymore. And we had to just embrace that. I hope that the same tool that brought about that and was synonymous with that feeling is also able to wield an incredible amount of generative work and physical work, not just like you're sitting and being a slug at a computer, but actual physical engagement of work. And also, you know, a phone, iPad, and computer that's synonymous with social media, which we are like chained to and are drug along by, I've watched children take hold of that and are empowered by it and take charge of it and have ownership over the use of what they want to do and they're thinking creatively with these tools so that the tools aren't driving their lifestyle. Their lifestyle is utilizing the tools. And that's what we try and do at Andes every year of like, this is a sheet, but it's also an ocean. And it's also, you know, and it's also a costume garment and it's also a, you know, and, uh, and we're doing that with technology right now. So I hope that their takeaway from this, uh, and I have seen it. So I just really, the hope isn't like, I hope you got, you got what you got out of it. I think it's like, I hope you're aware of the amount of growth that has taken place because I hope they each go back to school and realize how much they have become an empowered human being based on just being in this experiment for the summer. Uh, I'm curious if you've observed any similar sort of growth among the lead artists and the and the staff or any changes that you've seen as we have sort of figured out what what we're doing as we do it. 
I mean, we're a staff now. That feels great. <laughs> like, I, I, we have departments and we, you know, because we're not on the same space, and this is true of every, every aspect of my life right now, uh, pillow talk, the quote unquote pillow talk or like hallway talk or all of those things are like texting. When you're constantly passing by people in the hall and you say things, you take for granted those quick little quips of like, hey, by the way, I did this thing right? Mm -hmm. Or, hey, by the way, could you make this phone call? Oh, yeah, sure. And then you pass by each other. We don't have that right now. So our communication has had to have been impeccable in order for all of these balls to be juggled in the air. And that has grown this institution into an actual organized space of thought process. I chuckle at that because, you know, Andy's has always been like, grab yourself by the boots and like, or what is the, what is the phrase? Grab yourself. The, the bootstraps, like yeah, the yeah. Bootstraps, you know, like, and just keep on keeping on, and and we do a great job with that. And in the past couple of years, I've just yearned to be a space that is sustainable from a from a standpoint of labor and staffing. And mm-hmm. we we siphoned that. And yes, it was a it was a real uphill battle, but it was a worthy one. And and to have our weekly check ins, to have our formalized communications has made for a really exciting thing and also has allowed staff members to participate in artistic ways in a way that I've always hoped for. There's not the admin and that like everyone is present and everyone is working to fulfill themselves. And again, it's like working eye to eye means that you're also looking inward just as much as you're looking outward. And that's what makes everybody equally vulnerable. And it's, it's been true of the staff and the staff have really gone out of their way to participate and create space that they needed for their own mental health and for their own happiness and joy and bliss during a time that is chaotic, horrible, unhealthy, toxic, you know, that I have loved coming in every day and seeing everybody laughing, you know, like mm-hmm. tuning in and, and coming, interrupting a big laughter and everyone catching me up on a joke or something. Yeah. Um, is is he- healthy for all of us. And that's been really lovely. And I, again, I'm excited to see how this kind of organizational structure is brought back into the hallway culture. Yeah, so. totally. And I mean, can absolutely confirm from a staff perspective, it was really, really nice to have the freedom to be able to do direct work with, with the children and make spaces that I would have wanted yeah, you know when I was when I was their age, and to be able to have that time. Yeah, yeah, well, and you know, Percy, I I'm thinking about your LGBTQ social hour, and yeah. um, I know the next question is like, what are you grateful for this summer? Mm-hmm. So this kind of is a segue into that. But yeah, the, what are you grateful for this summer, Jared? Yeah, well, for you and for that moment where you, the emergence of that idea was a really beautiful moment because you saw in our children a need for that space and you saw your own empowerment and your own ownership of the ability to create that space that it allowed for me, Kat and Tori leadership to me, I think is to just get out of the way, Mm -hmm. you know, and like get out of the way for impulse and get out of the way for passion and be a, be more of a barometer to your staff and to your participants, the, the young artists, to say when it's needed, 
just say yes and like and be a part of that support system and um you know there were some there's some participants in that lgbt social hour that we had been like pulling teeth to get participating you know and and the moment you opened up that space and we saw names in there that we hadn't seen all summer mm-hmm. um it it was beautiful it was this really beautiful moment of of a micro and macro fulfillment of like we were that feels fulfilling on a very small level of a one to one mentor mentee level mm-hmm. it feels on a middle micro macro world really awesome that our programming can provide space to just build a program like that and on a macro world i think we're saving lives by allowing space for that right and and that's all i want like i i want all of these kids to become adults because they are brilliant and we need them we we need them as adults right now because they are holding the keys that will unlock some semblance of solution to the mess we are in because they are brilliant so providing a space like lgbt social hour is important on all of those levels and will ensure us that the children participating in that will be here and yeah. will be will be strong voices because they have a mentor like you and who not only is a part of that space but showed them that a space like that can be built by simply asking mm-hmm. and that's a really important thing that that they are exposed to and and that's you know and then that's true of of Jameson and Duncan starting the first dungeons and dragons saying like i think that this is needed and all of the, you know and and the same thing for andres and and tori and cat who saw this baking show and wanted to like provide space to talk to them and and saw that children wanted to like look back on old andy shows and critique it and talk about it and reminisce like it, you know the staff has been able to be amazing barometers to what the children need but also trusting their own impulse that actually what's underneath that is they need it too yeah. and um and and i am grateful that all of the energy this summer has been towards that construction instead of destruction mm-hmm. um very little conversations were about what doesn't work it it is a what can make this work better and staying positive to that and uh it's been a it's been beautiful to witness that and know that everybody is holding small portions of that fuel tank and everyone's doing what they think is the most important and we are staying out of the way to say that is true jasmine and marcus making yes a um making a round table discussion because it is important to them and to see the conversations coming out of that for these children and then when the round table started to not have as many participants we shifted it to a movie night to watch specific movies and engage in with with our youth in a different way and continue to have that conversation that adaptability is uh, invaluable um across the board and so I'm grateful because I have always believed that this is what organizations for youth engagement should be, but it's an uphill battle because you're fighting against an educational system which is a lecture-based education system mm-hmm. first and foremost, and we're trying to go against the grain to be conversational, which means that we have to trust each other, adults and children alike. So yeah, I think- I'm grateful for that. I think that's such an important part of working eye to eye is being able to as an adult be honest with the children about what you need and set the example that 
you know, you, you need to advocate for yourself and you need to ask for the things that, that are useful to you. Cause I think that's at the core of it. The, the really great example that we're setting in the, in the model is, you know, you are, you are your own best advocate. Well, and I see that a lot with, with both children and adults, actually more so with adults of not voicing and then tension arising and then an outside force or myself like approaching that to say like, what's going on here? And then this like vault of complaint or fear or, or concern comes out. And I, I, or the witness to that is always like, why didn't you just say this? <laughs> like what, why I had, we had no idea of this. And I just think like, it might be, there might be a little bit of anxiety of approaching something that you don't know if it's heading in that direction or not, but you're feeling this feeling is a really important thing to teach children right now, you know, mm-hmm. to say like, Hey, you know, cause so many people want to shut down something that hasn't actually come to full fruition to be like, no, that wouldn't, that's not where we were headed, but actually like naming it at that moment ensures that it is not headed in that direction. So we need to be able to name things even in their seed moments and feel confident that, your impulse is telling you something that you need to trust. And that's both on a negative and a positive. If you're feeling like there's not a space for you, I hope that Andy's provides the confidence and fuel to the children and adults just to name that at that moment and, and know that I don't think I, I don't think I said no to any idea this summer. Like anyone who was like, Hey, I've got this idea. It's like, let's great. Let's try it. Like, who knows what comes out of it? I don't. We've never been in a pandemic. We've never done a season online before. Who am I to say no to that? And so go for it. And it taught me so much because nothing failed. Nothing yeah. failed. You know, maybe participation was low or high or whatever, but for every child involved in every single project, there was something that happened. And that is very important. Yeah. And I think it was a great exercise, at least speaking just for, I can't speak for anybody but myself, but I think it was a great exercise in being able to put your ego aside for the good of everybody else. Cause I think there were tons of times where we looked at something and said, what we're currently doing isn't working and we need to change it to something else. And it was really great to see so many people who were like, yes, this is objectively what is best. Mm-hmm. We tried what I wanted to do and it didn't work and I can own that and move on. And it was the openness to saying, yes to things that let us have that flexibility which i think was really cool Um, and not something i see super often in professional theater is the willingness to admit when you know something wasn't quite what it needed to be totally and that's you know again our product is not making great work that's a byproduct Mm -hmm. our product is allowing children to be in flux and know that they can change and that change is okay, even if it's mid process and that we embrace that. And the only way to teach that is to embrace that in ourselves as adults. And we have to unlearn some things. I have to every day, I, I am so stubborn and like, I have to completely unknot that every day to say like, why am I saying that? What, you know, that sort of thing. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are your goals for Andy's for the future as we're coming out of this experience, having learned so much? It's a yes and mechanism. I think it's a like, we continue, you know, we're, we're going to be closing our programming for the month of September. It's inevitable. It will come back. You know, we're trying to figure out what it means to be live building and making workshops on a live level. 
where the artists are present with the kids who are present, but we're also trying to figure out how, ways to record those sessions so that a child who's not available at 4.30 on some idle Tuesday can participate in it at a later time by, by engaging with the video of it because of how much we are building things as opposed to performing things. And so that's a big thing is like, what is asynchronous art making and asynchronous art, art education? So we're looking into that and we're going to do an off-season production in November that we'll be announcing on September 20th. Uh, that's really exciting. And then uh, we're going to be planning our, our return back to the theater for next summer while also embracing the fact that we must continue this online engagement because there are children all over the country that are participating in it. And I'm excited to think about using the Red House across from Andes as a virtual connection space so that an artist can potentially go in there and tune in and be working with kids in the Red House physically, but also working with kids on the other end of a camera over Zoom to start to understand like what is a hybrid space? How can Andes provide the same type of programming in real time and out of real time and on a virtual space simultaneously? And that brings up its own challenges and its own attentions. And But man, we we tackled a lot this summer and we overcame a lot this summer and the children showed up and rose up and and taught us quite a bit so that's the goal of the future is to actually find a way to continue both um, because they are serving different needs they are not the band-aid to the other need they are actually completely different needs for these children and provide a very different space for different types of children in a way that we've always been striving for so I think that's a, a lovely note for us to end on. I really appreciate you taking the time to, to chat with me, Jared, and thank you so much for your vision and your leadership uh, throughout the summer. Well, thank you, Percy. I mean, it, you're, you are a huge part of this process and your energy is so needed for so many of these children. And um, it's been great having you by my side and um, we're in this together. And I hope that we can continue working together for, for so many years ahead of us because uh, the, the courage and, and innovation that you have been pursuing has been amazing. So thank you. Thank you. That's very sweet. I appreciate it. Great. Awesome. Cool. Thank you so much for listening to Eye to Eye, the Digital Renaissance podcast. Theme music is by Dylan Gladhorn, artwork by Raven Bartlett, production and editing by me, Percy Hornack. See you next week for one last dose of Andy's magic. Thank you.